How you doing? I'm Kenyatta. Welcome to No Ideas Original Sports. I'm here with Theo and Ren. What's up, guys? How y'all doing? All is well. That's good, man. Good to see you guys, man. Back again for another week of sports. So, just to recap, last week we had boxing match with Canelo. Whatever. Um, Theo, again, was able to call that fight in eight rounds. Accurately predicted the end of the fight. I mean... What did you guys think of the thing of the fight? I thought it was a, well, I thought it went as I had personally expected. I, I think I probably had to go into decision. Um, like you said, Theo, I know, is right on point with the eight rounds. I had to go into decision, but in terms of who would win and stuff like that, it, it went the way I thought it would, where Canelo would kind of dominate the fight. One thing uh, I guess that surprised me a little was that Canelo seemingly chose not to really box. Seemed like he was out there just trying to fight, um, and he showed this time and in, in the past that he's more than capable of doing it. Um, I just wonder who's next for Canelo. I'm hearing Caleb Plant, so I guess we'll see. But yeah, uh, no surprises with the Canelo fight here. Yeah, we hit, hit a lot of good points, man. I can say too much, but uh, you know, I, I had it had Canelo winning either way, whether a knockout or, or a decision. And it'd be something will be a um, dangerous guy for him, so to speak. But he's more of a guy who was, I guess, pity pat. He has some power, not enough power, I guess, to get scores of respect and doing the fight. And I thought the panel was just, just cruise control. The probably said maybe maybe middle of a fight, he'll probably put more, more pressure on him, so to speak. But um, as far as winning the fight, he's, he's, I had I not seen that coming a long a long time ago. Yeah, I got I gotta agree with you. What was interesting is that before the fight, the guy wanted a bigger ring and you know all of this different stuff. But when he got in the ring, it wasn't like he was moving well enough to take advantage of the ring size or anything. So he kind of stood there and was available. The only good thing about it is that he didn't run. But you know everything was right on otherwise. So he stood there and took that beating. And then I didn't like, I didn't like the fact that he went out on the stool too. But I think you know. I guess, you know, it's better to go out on the stool. Listen, I heard he might have had like a fractured orbit bone or something. Yeah, I'd rather go out sitting on the stool than on the stretcher, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, for our entertainment purposes, we like to like him to knocked out, but you know, for his health, I guess he did the right thing. So, yeah. moving so on to football. Oh, go ahead. I just want to add that, um, he had a broken eye socket and then he broke it on um, his cheekbone in three different ways, man. That's what, that's what I add that to the So he was pretty much really good with pain, man. Cheekbone spinning three ways and a broken eye socket, man. So I understand, you know what I'm saying? Sitting in the corner, not coming out. The other guy is just, just getting beat up and want to come out. And he had, I guess, a real, really, real good excuse. That's very good. Yeah. I can understand not coming out, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Moving on to football, I mean, this week we heard that um, Tim Tebow, what's his name, Tim Tebow went out and uh, tried out for the Jaguars as a tight end. I mean, to me, I'm a little, I'm a little upset that he's even being considered. I mean, if you look at look at college football, that how many tight ends were there in college football? How many guys on other teams that got cut? And we talking about Tim Tebow trying to be the tight end. What do you guys think of that? The one thing I'll say with T-Bar is I know throughout his career in multiple sports, the guy gets a lot of, or used to, I don't know about now, used to get a lot of hate 
because of like the whole faith thing and stuff like that. Um, I know people weren't a fan of it, him, you know, praying and stuff like that. So with all of that being said, um, I'm not really surprised to see him get another opportunity um, just because it seems like for whatever reason, these different organizations like him. Maybe he's, he's, uh, he's somebody who's great to have in the locker room or, because it, it, to me, it doesn't seem like the talent um, is why he keeps getting these opportunities. Not to say he isn't talented at all. I think the guy definitely has talent, but um, like you mentioned, Kenyatta, I'm sure they could have found a more uh, viable candidate from somebody who didn't get drafted or a free agent or whatever the case may be other than Tim Tebow. But I, I really don't have any problems with it. The guy seems like a likable guy. Um, it just comes out of left field, um, him getting this opportunity, but I guess we'll see how he does. Yeah, Tebow's a guy that uh, stays in shape all year round, a uh, good clubhouse guy, a great athlete. You know, he's one of those guys that we all have in our neighborhood growing up. You know, that one particular guy in our hood that always stays in shape to play basketball, football, handball, stickball all year round. Um, that being said, uh, you know, I have an issue with him uh, waiting six years because, you know, as a quarterback, he was okay as a quarterback. And he still had his doubters. So eventually, the day would come when people would doubt him or kind of brush his side out against now playing quarterback, so to speak. So, once he realized that he wasn't going to be a quarterback no more, I guess he should try to be a tight end back then instead of taking a seat back to being an ESPN analyst for two, three years and playing baseball for two years. He should convert to tight end right away instead of waiting yeah. six years. You know, so that's the problem I have with him. But, you know, listen, some guys have, uh, you know, good connections, so to speak, and he has that in Urban Meyer. Yeah. I mean, I, I was reading something earlier where um... – Benjamin, that used to be on the Panthers, whatever, the receiver, that um, the Giants signed him as a tight end. We say this, this today or something or yesterday. So, but, and he had been out of the game two or three years. So, are what we saying is that there's a shortage of tight ends or something? Or like we bring recycling guys that have been out of the league two or three years? I mean, Tebow, he got some help from Urban Meyer. Because, I mean, that, that had to be a phone call made, but. Even still, I mean, if if they come in and they play and they do well, that's fine. But it's it's interesting. It's gonna be a tough call because when you go in there and you you got to make that 53-man roster. I mean, is Tebow gonna get some favoritism to make that 53-man roster over some other guys? We we don't know. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with with that. I mean, tight end part of their role besides blocking is catching these these passes over the middle. So I'm curious to see what happens when he gets hit. I mean, he's been hit playing a quarterback position before, but I think that's a whole different uh, ball game. You know, going over that middle with guys just waiting to you know hit you. So him converting this late in his career, like Theo mentioned. After all these years, it's going to be interesting to see when he finally gets hit, what happens. Does he go to a different sport? Does he, you know, quit on the school, so to speak? What happens when he finally gets a, a one of those hits over the middle? I, you know, I think I think that was him. I think I think he can catch the ball. Taking the hits, I don't know about. He didn't block. Blocking for a running play, I'm not too sure about either. 
But mm. I, I will tell you this, if, if Tebow gets hit and knocked out of the game, we'll probably see him on something like the Professional Bowlers Association. He goes to go, go to bowling then or something. He got a, a hookup in bowling or something. Either that or he gonna try, he gonna be riding on um, thoroughbreds next week in the Kentucky Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got so many hookups. You know, ESPN, TNT, you be calling basketball games. Who knows what, what he's gonna be doing. On another thing that the Aaron Rodgers watched, so so far I would say my Matt LaFleur just to say came out and said that he was him he's real eager to get get um Aaron Rodgers back and really wants him on the team or something. I mean and Aaron Rodgers still maintains that he's not coming back. I mean, I personally think that um I heard that after June first the cap hit drops or something, so it turns to a little bit more manageable. Um would you guys mind seeing Aaron Rodgers get traded? I think that's where he's heading. Either that or uh, he's gone to retirement. I don't really see him coming back to, to Green Bay at this point. Um, of course, from the organization perspective, they're going to say, we want him back, we love him, this, that. And I'm sure some of that is true. Um, I don't think there's any real hate there, per se. But of course, they're gonna say that to not diminish his trade value even further because now his trade value is already low because teams know that he wants out, right? So the organization from their perspective isn't gonna do anything to, to further diminish his trade value by saying, yeah, we don't want him back or, or yeah, he has to go or anything like that. So I see him getting traded or um, sitting out the year or something like that, but I wouldn't mind seeing him get traded at this point. I think both parties need to just move on. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him being traded. Why not? A few other good players have been traded in the past, so let him get traded. Let them do what they want to do, which is, which is start over again and reboot up on scratch again. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, both guys could, uh, I guess, end this, end this uh, you know, freaking frack decision or argument in some good terms, man. At the end of the day, I want more money, man. Not gonna give him more power, obviously. If you try all this year to get power, he wasn't giving it to you. So now it's about money. So I'm quite sure they'll offer him some kind of extension. If he don't take that, then I'm quite sure he'll be he'll be we'll be getting traded sometime before season starts. You know, Theo, that's a good point. Listen, I, I hadn't thought about that. I think he's this is his last guaranteed year of money, right? I think this is his last guaranteed year. So right. yeah, that's that's probably that's probably a real big point with this too. What's the offer look like? How much money they're going to offer him? Because I'm pretty much sure, depending on what that is, that probably could smooth some of this stuff out. Right. And then I think we touched on it before. I'm sure at this point in his career, too, he wants to win because he, he's made money. So I'm sure he's only in it to try to compete for, for Super Bowls at this point. And if you're not drafting players or even bringing in players in free agency that can help him do that, has got to build some type of frustration on his end. It, it kind of sort of reminds me of the whole New England Tom Brady thing where the organization is ready to move on a few years prior, like before they probably should be, you know? Um, and unfortunately for both parties, it's, it's like this crossroads. And since um, the Tom Brady thing, right, he's gone on to appear in like three Super Bowls since they started the attempts to get rid of him. Um, the whole Jimmy G thing, right? Yeah. So it's almost like he's using that to prove a point. So maybe Aaron Rodgers does the same. I, I think for, you know, what's, what's interesting about that, I think 
with these guys and when they do this, I think by putting this out there, it helps the it helps the Packers and it helps the Patriots because what happens is it would be hard for the fans to accept that you just got rid of Tom Brady or you just got rid of Aaron Rodgers. But in this scenario, Aaron Rodgers looks like the bad guy. So if they have to get rid of Aaron Rodgers, the fan base is gonna be like, yeah, you know, you see what Aaron Rodgers did. Same thing with um with Tom Brady. Tom Brady, they offer because they offered Tom Brady a deal. He just didn't take the deal, so they could live the fan base like, oh, Tom wanted to leave. So for Green Bay, by putting this out there, because I don't think Aaron Rodgers necessarily put out there that he didn't want to come back. You never heard about him having a press conference or coming out saying, I'm not returning to Green Bay. I wonder how that information even got out there to begin with. Yeah, supposedly he, he told teammates and people within the organization, but yeah, how did it get out? Um, it's interesting. I don't think, I don't, I don't think he, he, he said that actually. If he did, it came out a long, long time ago. Everything released out within 24 hours, 40 hours tops, man. So, and if it did happen though, don't trust that guy no more, man. Whoever the person is, he's, he's fully said that to him. Yeah, I think you're right there. I don't, I don't think he, I don't think his intention was to make this big media thing about not coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right now we're wishing we had the beginning of the new NBA playoffs with the the new playing format and everything else or something. So, what do you guys think of these these um, playing matchups so, so far that we got these these last seeds? Golden, I know Golden State secured one. I was hoping for Memphis. <laughs> so, so who, are, who are the playing team before we uh, move forward, if, we all, if you guys know? Let me just confirm who they are, because what's, what's interesting is that if Memphis would have won, the Lakers would have had to play in the playing game. Mm. So in the East, in the East, you got Boston, Washington, Indiana, and Charlotte. And in the <laughs> West... Yeah, and in the West, no, oh, they still in that. Oh, something happened. The Lakers must have lost. The Lakers are still in that playing category. Mm. You got the Lakers, Golden State, Memphis, and San Antonio. That's seven through ten over there. So the first matchups we have, we got the Lakers and Golden State, and we got Boston and Washington. I mean, for me, I could just start with the East. Now I would just say this. Um, Looking at Boston and Washington in that matchup, I mean, a couple of a month ago, a month and a half ago, nobody would be saying this, but I really believe Washington is going to win that game. Jalen Brown is out. Boston hasn't looked the same. I haven't. I don't even know is, is Kimber even playing. They just haven't looked the same. So, I mean, for for that seven eight matchup in the East with Boston and Washington, Washington just went on a tear. And again, I think we talked about it before previously about Russell Westbrook and what he's been doing, whatever Bradley Bills back. So I think you got two teams trending in the opposite direction. Now, how did how did Bill finish uh, the game today? Because I know he was coming back from that that um, injury where it looks like he pulled a, a hamstring or a groin or something going on there. I know at the beginning of the game he wasn't doing too well. Um, but I'm curious to see what he finished with. How how did he look? Like you said, Westbrook has kind of been dominant. 
Um, averaged another triple-double, seems to be hitting his stride. He seems to really fit in with this Washington uh, Washington team more than he did with the Rockets, um, Westbrook. So they're definitely dangerous. Like you said, um, Boston is trending in the, the opposite direction. You got um, Tatum, who's kind of sort of banged up a little. Who, there's a ton of players who's banged up, but Tatum is banged up. Kemba, I think, turf toe. Like you said, Jalen Brown is out for the rest of the year with a uh, wrist injury. He got surgery. So Boston, yeah, they're, they're going in the opposite direction. So I could easily see um, Washington winning that game. In terms of the West, um, I know the Lakers play later on. So do they control their own destiny, the Lakers, or no matter what, nope. they're willing to play in? They're in the play in. They're in the 7-8. Seven, seven, they're, they're in the seventh seven position. Because I, I don't know how it worked out. I'm looking at the standings now. Hold on, let me see. Make sure this is final. Yeah, because they if they control it. Oh, no, 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 no. I think the Lakers. The Lakers do. Don't they play tonight? Yeah, the Lakers play in three minutes. Actually, you know, coming up. Well, and so if the Lakers. Well, basically, I, I, okay. No, the Lakers won't be in the playing game. The Lakers got the Pelicans without Zion Williamson. And without Brent, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, I think both of those guys are done for the season. And so they Lonzo's been missing games here and there. Yeah, he's out too. So basically, they're playing the Pelicans without the three main guys. If they win, they don't have to play in a playing game. So I would be surprised to see them lose that game. Or another thing is the Nuggets play the Blazers. If the Blazers win, if the Blazers win, then was him. Then they um. Then they get the six. So it's interesting. I mean, one of the things, one question I have about that, you tell me what you guys think of this. If you're Denver and you can put the Lakers in a, you're already the number one seed, and you can put the Lakers in a position where they got to play extra games. Do you do you lose this game? Uh, I don't say no. Play the man. I'm not gonna go. I'm gonna do that, man. I mean, you, you play to win. You know, I mean, you can't work with nobody else, man. This day, sometimes you gotta let people know, like, listen, uh, you know, no matter who we play, uh, we're the better team. So, I don't believe in seeing players out. If they want to play, let them play, man. But I believe in trying to get a win and, and let people know without division that we're, we're the best team in the league. So, we try to win on the court. And I, I think, uh, I think, I want to say Phoenix may have clinched the first yeah. seed, right? So, Phoenix right. is the first seed. Um, but like you said, Dem is Denver number two, is it? No, they, they, I'm looking at it. They pretty much have to win two. You know why? Because it's a difference. Well, it's the difference between being a three and a four seed. So if um, you got the Clippers playing tonight and you have um, you have Denver playing tonight. So if they both win, I believe, I think Denver holds the tiebreaker. So Denver will be three and the Clippers will be four. But whoever loses out of that is automatically going to be four. So there is a reason for them to play and win. Yeah, plus like Theo said, I think uh, you kind of sort of got to go out there with the mindset to win and whatever happens, happens in terms of seeding and stuff like that. The only way I would, I wouldn't play to lose regardless, but the, the only way I would kind of sort of take it easy, let's say, is if one of my main guys has, has an injury or something, and I want to rest them a little bit more, but I don't know 
because the playoffs don't start until next week, right? I think the 22nd. Yeah. If you're in that play-in, then, of course, you get less time off. Here's, um, here's an interesting thing, too. I don't know who owns the tiebreaker, but you know that it, oh, Phoenix won. So, yeah, something. Yeah, Phoenix won, so Utah's guaranteed to have it. Yeah, I think Utah right now on the standing show as being a game, uh, a half game right ahead of Phoenix. So I wonder if they lose. Phoenix owns the, I believe Phoenix owns the tiebreaker regardless. So even if Utah wins, then Phoenix is going to be the number one seed because I think they own the tiebreaker there. So yeah. I think that's why they're already penciling Phoenix in as the number one seed regardless of what Utah does tonight. But either way, if I'm any of those teams, I go out there and I look to win, and whoever I play, I just so happen to play. One thing I'll say with the play-in is initially I wasn't, I, I wasn't completely against it, but I wasn't for it either. But now it's definitely added a lot more excitement because I think they said coming into today's games, it was like 20 different possible scenarios that could happen. I can't remember the last time um, the league has been this interested on the last day of the season. So it does have some value there. And I'm sure Adam Silver is, is you know, counting dollar signs um, yep. out of it. I, I will tell you something interesting about this, looking at the playing games in the East and like how teams are trending. I wouldn't be surprised to see your final seven and eight seeds be Washington and Charlotte. Charlotte, even though they lost to the Knicks and they was losing, Charlotte's playing real well. And remember, I told you guys about Miles Bridges weeks ago. Weeks ago. Miles Bridges, man, especially when LaMelo's there, different type of player. Somebody to get him a ball in a position where he doesn't have to do all the extra stuff. But I think Charlotte's playing well. Indiana, they're not, I don't know. They, they, they kind of fizzled out. I, I heard something crazy about the players don't like the coach or yeah, something. Yeah. They supposedly have a bunch of internal issues there. Um, and they're like you said, they're trending. It seems like they're trending in the, in the opposite direction heading into this play-in. Not to say they can't win and get a, you know, get in there, but I, I don't see it. Like you said, I think Charlotte is kind of trending right now in a better direction than, than Indiana. Yeah. And I think they had a much tougher schedule these last games too because I think initially when people seen the schedule, you know, they didn't take take into account that teams like like the Knicks, Atlanta, nobody thought these teams would be as good as they actually are. So when you look at Charlotte's last games, Charlotte's last games, they played some pretty tough competition. And they played them close. That Knicks game was close, the overtime one. So that, that's, a, that's really interesting. In the West, I mean... I don't know. You got you got the Lakers of Portland. I'm I'm guessing Portland will probably be in the play-in, and the Lakers will probably be out of it if I had to say so right now. But you got Portland, Golden State, and Memphis, San Antonio. So I mean, realistically, I mean Golden State is trending upward. They definitely are. Portland is Portland. You never know who's gonna what team's gonna show up or something. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think of that matchup, the Portland Golden State matchup? You called it, man. You said you said, what you call it? I mean, China is there, man. I mean, who shows up is really rich, man. I mean, you look on paper, as right now, you probably lean towards Portland over Golden State. You know, Steph Curry is great. You know, I guess Little Kid, you know, matches out, matches output too, as well. 
But Pauls is a funny team, man. I can't put a finger on it. What's wrong with these guys, man? They'll be, they'll be the Clippers, the Lakers, the top team, go win 10 straight. And then you're going to lose to the Hornets and the Cavaliers. You're going to roll. So, like like, like you said, man, who shows up as, as, as a remaining to see? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, in that matchup, we know more than likely Steph is going to show up. That much we know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that we know. Yeah. yeah. For Golden State to show up, you know, as long as Steph does, then then that puts him in position, a good position to win. Um, yeah, like both of you guys said, Portland, you don't know who's, who's going to show up. Damian Lillard, for the most part, usually shows up. Um, he's known for for having big time performances and, and big games. CJ is, is usually pretty clutch too. It's just that I, I don't know about that supporting cast. Is Nurkic gonna be, how's he gonna perform? Yeah. It's kind of like on the tail end of his, his career. He has ups and downs, you know, which Carmelo's gonna show up. So they got a lot of question marks there. But the one thing I'll say with Portland is if they don't win, it's obvious, I think they move on from Terry Stotts. But in addition to that, do they move on from the Dame and CJ pairing? Do they trade one of one of those guys for multiple pieces and just either rebuild completely from scratch or do like a half rebuild? It's apparent that it's not working at this point. You know what's funny about that team is that I think a lot of teams, a lot of teams now are being built around the backcourt. And I like their backcourt. It's just that their frontcourt players are not particularly good at any one thing. Like, you know, other teams might have a guy that can rebound and block shots or or somebody that scores or stretch four or something. Those guys, like, I mean, if you look at Nurkic, can you tell me one thing he does dominantly? Like, he's not a dominant rebounder. We know he's not a dominant defender. I mean, he's going to get you... 14, 14 to 18 points, which I'm pretty much sure you could get from most, you know, not bad guys, but from many serviceable guys. So you can't really count him as a third option. I mean, they done rotated so many small forwards in between Carmelo. They got um, the guy that shoots three as the defender that he went from Philly to Houston. Now he's old, he's there. Covington? But, yeah, Covington. So now, realistically, like, they they need somebody else. They need they need somebody who's really gonna come out there like it, it, this whole big three thing. There is some kind of like like validity to it. You need somebody. You either gotta trade one of those guys for two guys that you believe in, or you gotta get somebody else there so to be able to clean house with those guys because they have some some thoughts. Remember the guy they drafted the um was he from Gonzaga? The, um the tall guy that he was he was pretty good and then he got hurt and he's never been the same. Oh, Colin. Oh, Colin. Yeah, yeah, he's never been the same. So he, at one point, he was looking pretty good, and I thought that would have worked out. But they, they, they just don't. Um, they, they need to do something with that roster, and I, I think this might be the year that they might do. But I do think Terry Stotts is probably on his way out. You know, that was also applies to Nurture too. Well, he was great for the injury. He was balling out his mind, Nurture. Yeah, know, the injury broke his leg, so. So um, he had the same play after the injury, uh, of course. I kind of put them, I guess, a half step back or step back before his injury, so to speak. Part yeah. of the piece for Portman is that with Dame and CJ, like their skills kind of overlap, you know? Neither one of them are really great defenders. They both need the ball in their hands 
like if one of them was at least like a three and D type of guy, or they don't need the ball as much, or they they're mostly just pure scorers, you know? Yeah. They're not really playmakers per se. They can play make, but that's not their strength. So they kind of overlap in terms of skills. See, you know, you know what's interesting about assists and playmaking and stuff that people I think people take for granted. So when you see a guy and you look at the box score, it says he's had eight assists or different stuff like that. There's different types of assists. Like when you go out there and you see somebody like LaMelo who distribute, he's distributing to distribute to people to score. The other guys are distributing when they can't get their own shot off. It's two, it's two completely things. I got, I'm double teamed, so I got to pass it. Here you go. I'm not trying to get the ball to the guy that's open. So when I look at Dame and those guys, don't get me wrong, I'm pretty much sure he could do it the other way, but Dame's passing is more so based on him not get, being able to get his own stuff off as opposed to him trying to set people up. Like, you know, as much as, you know, Westbrook, like, you either love him, hate him type of thing, Westbrook's assists are to set people up because we know he's not no three-point shooter and he's not no long-distance shooter. So his his passes are to get people involved in the game. So that's that's what you look at, look at, like, with the assists. Even to some extent, Steph. Steph's assists, he gets them, but it's not so that he could set up on um, Wiggins to get to the holes because, okay, I, I'm passing the ball now because I don't really have my shot. So it, it, it's, it's, it's different. So if even if one of those guys was a guy that was a pass first, that scored, a passing guy that scored, that probably would change the complexion too because some of those other guys could get more open shots so they could do more things. But you can't rely on guys like Nurkic and them getting the ball like, Okay, now it's, it's, we don't just lost 16 seconds on the shot clock. I'm gonna give it to Nurkic to create his own shot. That's that's not gonna work. So they they got some interesting things to think about. When I when I look at the other rest of the West, I think Memphis San Antonio is a pickup. I mean, who knows who's gonna win that game? I'll tell you the truth. I'm a San Antonio fan, and I wouldn't be mind seeing Memphis win that game. <laughs> it sounds crazy because. I think San Antonio is another one of those teams where, first of all, they got six or seven guys that play the same position. Somebody's got to change and go. You can't have DeJounta Murray, Patty Mills, Larry Walker, Rudy Gay, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson. How many twos and threes? I mean, yeah, you call DeJounta Murray the point and Patty Mills, but you got, you basically got eight guys playing the that's kind of the next thing. Somebody's got to go on them, too. They got eight guys playing the same two positions, and none of them is really, like, you know, where they, like, standing out that much <laughs> where this one is that much greater than that one. So they got to do something. Like, I watched the Nick game, and I'm going to laugh if you guys are Nick fans. At one, one more, remember one week we were saying they need to get rid of Alec Burks. The next week, they're like, they need to get rid of, get rid of um, the other dude. Those two dudes are the same player. Burks yeah. and all. Uh, what's his name? And Burks and Bullock are the same player. They're the same player. So <laughs> they do the same stuff. Bullock plays a little more deep. And I think Burks is a little better scorer. But as far as what they give you, it's the same thing. Right. So I was watching a couple of games last week. I'm like, man, maybe we need to keep both of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, maybe they both need to stay. Because you think about it, in the last week, without those two guys, we had some losses there without Bullock. So the one thing they both have that's a, a proven commodity in the NBA, they both can shoot. 
Yeah. yeah. Could shoot, and that's like a proven commodity in the NBA. Like, you don't give up shooters. Both those dudes will be around in the league for pretty much a bunch of years, just for just from showing what they could do. Sure. But I was looking at them like we was talking about getting rid of this one. Now we talking about getting rid of this one. Day to day, it changes up on who should stay and who should go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you gonna lie? I really think what's gonna end up happening. I really think from a Knicks perspective, they gonna move R.J. Barrett to the three. It's certainly a possibility unless they, I don't know who, who they would bring in, like in terms of signing a three in free agency or trading for one, but if they can't trade or sign one in free agency, uh, or this summer, I should say, then yeah, I could easily see RJ potentially being moved to the three if they can easily uh, like get a two. You know, it may be easier to get a two guard or slide Burks into the two, or right now they kind of they have RJ at the two, right, and Bullock at the three, yeah. which isn't bad. The main guy um, jumping to the Knicks that I think they need to get rid of um, for starters is Alfred Payton. I think every game. I think at this point, the, the only reason why he's starting, in my opinion, is is because uh, Tibbs wants to keep that continuity, right? They've gone kind of sort of with that same starting lineup for the entire season, unless Payton was injured. They've gone with that starting lineup. So I think uh, Tibbs wants to just keep it that way. But at this point, Peyton is hardly playing. What did he What did he play the other day um, or today? 12 minutes, 10 minutes. So he's, he's, you know, I think he needs to be out. The other guy who brought a line for me, unfortunately, and it's mostly due to injury, the guy is talented, but I would say Mitch too. Um, depending on what I can get for him. I'm not just going to go out there and get rid of him, but Mitch is a free agent at the end of next season. And seeing the way Nerlens is protecting that paint, you know, how much do I pay Mitch to do pretty much the same thing? Granted, Mitch is better at catching lobs, but I would say Nerlens does a good enough job on, on, you know, catching an occasional lob, and he protects the paint probably even better than Mitch, and he's less injury prone. And he's probably, I would imagine, would be a lot cheaper. Right. So, so before we go forward, I just want to get you guys' prediction on something because the Knicks and the Nets and the rest of us that we're gonna go down the rabbit hole with those. So we got we got um we got L.A., Golden State, Memphis, and San Antonio. Who's gonna be seven and eight? I'm going with. No, I mean Portland, Portland, Golden State, Memphis, and San Antonio. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm going with L.A. to to get into the six seed in seven and eight. Uh, let me see. Seven and eight, I got. I like the way Golden State is playing with, with Steph right now. And I'm gonna go with Memphis. All right, what do you got, Theo? Uh, I'm putting up a John Morant, so I'm gonna put a bias on that one right there. So that's why I was in Memphis going out. I like, I like uh, John Morant a lot. The, the Portland game is really a toss-up, man. Um, <laughs> it's really a toss-up. It's just like, is Craig going to score 40 or 50 from guys who are advanced? Is Little City going to take over the game themselves? Um, I'm going to go Portland on that one. Okay. The good thing about it is Portland, right? Right. Portland would go to the seventh seed, right? The way it stands now. Assuming yeah. the Lakers take care of business, right? Portland goes to the seventh seed. Golden State is the eighth seed, so those two teams are going to play each other. But yeah. from those, the loser gets another chance to get in, yeah. right? So right. the loser is going to play the winner out of Memphis and so San now, 
Alabama, right? Saying that, I, I'm gonna have to go with Portland and Golden State. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, why that's why I'm bringing up that point. Is there's a good chance that Portland and Golden State are gonna be in there because, like, Portland's is gonna get a second opportunity if they lose to Golden State in this first game, and as much as they're up and down, I could easily see them beating the winner out of Memphis and San Antonio. It's not a shoe-in, because like we discussed, they're up and down, but I could easily see them beating uh, either one of those teams to get in. And now that you say that, I just thought about it. Portland, both, both of Portland's game are going to be both home games. Mm. They're going to be the highest seed, so they'll play both home games. Golden State will play one home game. The, all those other teams are going to play road games, because Golden State's the eighth, so if Golden State loses to Portland, those other teams got to come to Golden State. If yeah, Portland loses, they still a higher seed, and those teams still got to go to Portland. So Portland could get two home games. Golden, those other teams have no chance of getting a home game. So, yeah, I think Theo may be right there. Portland has a much better chance of winning in Portland against Golden State. Now, one thing, like I heard them talking about, um, on TV is I think, and this is a good point, and I think we touched on this before in terms of the play-in, is I think in order to, let's say, initiate a play-in, I think that the teams, there has to be a certain gap in between the teams. And what I mean by that is, like right now, it is relatively close, right? But if you look at it, San Antonio has 33 wins Whereas um, the Lakers in Portland have 41 wins, so that's an eight-game gap. And yeah. potentially those teams could not end up in, in the playoffs, but you would have a tournament, San Antonio, 30, here it is, 33 wins, now they're in the playoffs over a yeah. team with 40-something wins, you know? So I think the league kind of sort of has to figure that out um, if, if there should be a gap because I think the separation there can't just be any any separation, in my opinion. You know what? Maybe it should be something. Maybe the play-in should kick in if everybody's at at least 500 or something. Like they got to come up with something, I would say. Yeah, right. we could do the play-in. Everybody's got to be above 500. If you're not above 500, you don't qualify for the play-in. Nobody plays in. Maybe it just turns into like the the last two, the eighth and the ninth, and. But if you don't, if you're not 500, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that, I get that. Right. I, I, I mean, again, it's been exciting looking at it from, from a fan perspective in terms of the last game of the season, 20 different scenarios. And last, last season, we wouldn't have been having this conversation, right? Because everything for the most part would have already been determined. So yeah. I get from that perspective. But from the team's perspective, I, I can see where some of that frustration is. Like if I'm Portland and somehow I don't get in, Antonio <laughs> does. Granted, I controlled my own destiny to some extent, but under normal circumstances, I would have been in there. I would have been a six or a seven seed. Yeah, you wouldn't even be kind. You know, you know what? That's, that's bad for the owners too. Because think about it this way: if you're a seven eight seed, you're guaranteed to have a couple of home dates in your arena or whatever to. to here, if you lose in this playing, it's a one-game thing. So a lot of times, these teams count on these playoff revenue and stuff like that. You don't end up getting the games because you were saying you done lost in the playing round or something. Now, now you got to figure you in these series. Was it they? What's what are they doing? Two, two, one, one, one. That's a good question. I'm not even sure. Uh, 
I, I know they played around with the two three two, which is yeah, that's you know, crazy. I that was bad. You lose one game at home and you're yeah, would be over the top way team. The two three two format, so I kind of like the like you said the two two. Uh, one 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 or whatever it is, that's a little better than the two three two format. It's more traveling involved, which is why I think they try to go the two three two route. But I don't think that's the best decision. Yeah, there was teams that never made it back home. They lost one game at home, and that was it. <laughs> but it, it, this plan so far seems to not—I wouldn't say necessarily favor—but it gives teams like the the nine ten hope, right? Versus teams that are in the seventh position that's just more frustration for me because normally I would have that locked up you know now so I got now, to get in you're right so now when I look at the east right realistically Boston is 36 and 36 the other teams are 34 and 38 and 33 and 39 so they're all below 500 and right now Boston's playing Washington and and I, I really don't think Boston's going to win that game. I think Washington's going to win it. Then Boston's going to have to play either Indiana or Charlotte. I don't even know if Boston will be any any of these four teams right now, to tell you the truth. Yeah, me either, considering like their health situation. And normally, they would have been in the playoffs. Yep, Boston so might be that team. But for a team like the Hornets, the Hornets are excited, right? Because that gives yeah. them an opportunity, whereas they normally would have been out of the playoffs. You know, yeah. they been just playing tomorrow's game, tonight's game, or whatever it is, would have been today's game would have been meaningless for them. But yep. now they're fighting still, they still have a chance, which again adds a little bit of excitement. But from the, the team's perspective, I could see that that frustration. But I think you hit a, a good point before, Kenyatta, when you said, where was all of this frustration and discussion early on in the season, when the season started? You know, why didn't the team speak up? They're the ones who voted for it. Yeah. In format, Adam Silver didn't just pull us out of out of nowhere, you know, and didn't get any approval. They voted for it. Sad thing about it is, you know what happens? People rubber stamped it. They 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 didn't even pay attention. There's probably like a list of things to vote on, and it happened to be on the list. They just, you know what? Yeah, 72 games, playing game, whatever. We just want to play. Rubber stamp. That's that. And now they're saying it might be here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future. I think they do need to make some adjustments, though, but because if you get these sub-500 teams beating teams that's that's 500 or over and knocking them out in one game or two games, I can see owners having problems. Imagine if the Lakers end up in there and LeBron and them got bumped in the playing game, what'll happen? See, yeah, that's when they'll start when they'll start taking issue to it, right? When some of the stars start getting eliminated from the playoffs, whereas normally they would have been in there. Yep. Once LeBron is not in there because of this, Luca, the guys who they trying to market the league around, yeah. once a bunch of those guys aren't in there, unless they're being replaced by other guys um, that they want to see. Let's say the Pelicans was in there and they're, as much as they're marketing Zion, right? Let's say his team from the 10th seed sneaks into a playoff then they got some marketing around that. Yeah. But a bunch of their stars are going to be voicing their their uh, their hate for it. we already seen it, right? Luca spoke up. LeBron spoke up. So it's going to be interesting. They, I think it's it's a decent idea. They just got to make changes to it, I would say. Think about it from us right now. If we look at the teams and we just did it based on who we wanted to see, I'm a San Antonio fan, and that's not going to be exciting to watch. 
I don't think anybody cares about seeing Indiana. With Boston hurt, nobody cares either. I mean, in the East, if out of those four teams, the team I most would like to see was Charlotte, because at least they're interesting. Those other teams, nobody even cares if they watch any. With Boston hurt, if Boston wasn't hurt, we'd want to see Boston, but nobody wants to see those guys. And then when you look at the West, people want to see Memphis, Portland, and Golden State. People want to see. Nobody necessarily cares about seeing the Spurs play a game. Listen, we're going to take and everybody's going to score 14. Then we're going to go out and drag this out and maybe we hold this to 92 to 97 or whatever and do that for four games or three games or whatever and have a moral victory. Look, we didn't get blown out. Nobody want to watch. I mean, it's not really it's not really exciting to watch and it's not going to help the league. So as far as the league concerned, if San Antonio goes out and gets bumped off and Indiana and they get bumped off right away, that's probably better for the league. They're like, you know what? These guys play nice basketball and it's good it's good quality basketball, but it's not it's not good for viewership. Supposedly the league's the league's yeah. viewership is supposedly down too, so you gotta get these star guys out there. You, you, you gotta get them like st- realistically Steph Curry and Dame Lillard, they need them in that. Yeah. So back to the Knicks, like you were saying, getting rid of guys, keeping guys, saying the different stuff. Um, the Alfred Payton thing, I gotta agree. I mean, he's a cosmetic starter at this point. I mean, I do think he'll land on another team because he does do some things like he defends. He was him. He he's he's not great at any one particular thing, but he's probably good. I think he'd be better as a backup than a starter. So I think he he he'll land somewhere. So Derrick Rose starting, I mean, I think he could. But it will be interesting. I think somebody else might have to come out because you, Randall still has the ball in his hands a lot. RJ likes to have the ball in his hands a lot. Derrick Rose is going to want the ball in his hands too. And the other two guys we just said, Bullock or Burks, they'll just be standing in the corner waiting for somebody to throw them the ball. So they're, they're not too bad, but I don't I don't know. No, no, the good thing is Noel's not looking for the ball. Do you think there's enough shots to go around if with Barrett Rose and um, Barrett Rose and Randall uh, all in the starting unit? I think so, because right now, if you look at it down the stretch of most of these games, Rose is in there with those guys now. Um, yeah. And Rose is past that point in his career where he's trying to prove he can go out there and average 20, 25. He kind of sort of, I think, lets the game come to him. So if Randall's hot, I think he, he doesn't have any problems deferring to Randall or RJ. Um, so I think Rose could play with anybody at this point. And I think he can he can play in any any role. You put him out there, six-man, starter. So I, I'm not really concerned about Rose. Um, plus, even, even when Rose is, is shooting, he's generally uh, very efficient these days. So it's not like he's taking 20 shots to get 20 points. Rose may take 10, 15 shots, and he'll get you 20 these days. Um, but yeah, going back to Peyton, I think Peyton has to go. He'll, he'll land on, just like you said, he'll land on another team, maybe as the backup point guard, or even a third-string point guard. A nice guy to have around in case somebody gets hurt or something like that. He's not terrible. I just don't think he's a starter in the league. If Rose was to slide into the, the starting position, it'll be interesting to see what they do with 
um, quickly because quickly isn't so much of a playmaker as he is a scorer. He's kind of he is a combo guard. I think he can run the point guard, but I'm not sure he's the guy um, who you want out there necessarily trying to get your team into the offense. And which is why Kentucky also didn't really use him in that role because the guys he can, he can fill it up right. He's a quick. Next thing you know, he comes off the bench, he gets you 10, 15 points, you know, in a few minutes. He's that type of guy, I think, more so than distributing. And which is why I would say the Knicks, I, I think they would be best if they can get, let's say, Alonzo Ball in free agency as their starting point guard. The only thing that scares me with Alonzo is the price tag, right? You go out there and pay him 20 million. The rap on Alonzo is how passive he is. So I don't want a guy to be Alfred Payton with a with a slightly better jump shot. You get what I'm saying? So they got to be careful there. I think depending on Lonzo. I also heard now Kyle Lowry right is is in the mix. In theory, I like the idea of Lowry because um, I think he fits into what the Knicks culture like what they're trying to build in terms of being hard nosed, and that's what Lowry's all about. So he's not going to come in and be a liability on defense. Neither would Alonzo, but some of these other guys may. So I like the idea, plus Lowry could shoot, shoot the three ball and stuff like that. He'll be out there flopping, drawing those fouls and stuff. So I could see it, it's just at what price. So they got a lot of decisions to make, like you said. Uh, as far as the color concerned, just stand pat, let um, Peyton start, let him play his 10 minutes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he's playing 10 of a minute. Great. Like Rose played the majority of the game. And I will have to quickly, uh, you know, be the backup point guard. Because, see, he has range. So you got to respect quickly's range out there in the court. He can shoot from big ball feet. You know, so he can shoot. He can shoot that best. So when he gets high, he gets high. He can, he can score. Um, if not, then you could put uh, Burks at point guard. He could be the backup point guard and move uh, quickly to the two. How about that is Bird, when he gets hot, he gets a little selfish. Okay, yeah, I can actually see that. When he gets hot, he tends to take, take a lot of shots. Around the tour the same way, but um, when you play the hook, maybe you can kind of get away with that as far as having, uh, you know, facing out uh, Peyton and let Rose play more minutes and have uh, quickly back him up. But it may not work against the bucket, I get I mean, the Bucks, the world they played in, in the previous run if they get that far. So. We play the Hawks, you probably get away with it though. But um we stand pat and let Payne play ten minutes and um I would have I, I would have Creed out there playing being being a backup point guard. Him and him and um and Burke in the backcourt. Um and on um the good about moving uh RJ Barrett to a three position sounds good though, but I'm not moving him to any two guard. Because uh, I can quite sure you can find a, 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 a three before you can find a two in this league. So uh, we get like it will be the 82 guard. I'm not, I'm not gonna play my three guard for uh you know uh Chris for the speaker, nothing like that or somebody like that. So no. So be careful to back to, to a three guard because it might be better for two. I think I think that um I don't think I would change the lineup just because it's been working so far. So because it's been working, I wouldn't change it from that thing. RJ Barrett being moved, I think it'll be, it might be better for his career because don't get me wrong, he hits threes and he makes shots, but forty percent three point shooting. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think he can. But if you, if you watch him, like I, I watch him and I, I don't know, 
if he just doesn't like he just doesn't seem like the gods of the future like do you, when you look at cj mccullum and you look at rj bad do you see that type of like put it this way let's say one of those point guards got hurt do you have confidence in rj barrett bringing the ball up the court and handling the ball and distributing i don't know no. you know so he can't really handle that role as a guard you know being that backup or being interchangeable in that way don't get me wrong he can play the guard but you wouldn't have confidence in him as the guy that's going to bring the ball up if, you know, if if something happens. As far as those other guys, I like Lonzo Ball, but like you said, I wouldn't give him more than that's that one deal. They've been giving out five for 70, like I think five for 85 or 17 million a year. You know who else is an interesting option? Devontae Graham for a lot less. Devontae Graham from the Hornets, you could probably get for maybe 40 million for four, maybe less than that. Now, is he a free agent? Yeah, yeah. Devonte Graham's a free agent. He shoots better than all those guys we named. He passes the ball willingly. The only thing I would be concerned about is that he's kind of smallest. He's along the lines of the Texan Garland stuff. How about starting Derrick Rose, having back up Derrick Rose the next that's year? That's possible. Yeah, that's possible. A guy like Devonte Graham. Yeah, that's possible. How, how about finding a suitable backup and put Rose as far as the starting point guard? That's that's not a bad idea. That's that's not a bad idea at all. Not at all. What about uh, in terms of threes for the Knicks? Would it be a, a a reach to like gamble on like a, a guy like Cam Reddish? Because you could probably buy low right now for a Reddish, right? Considering how many guards and everything else Atlanta has, they're probably willing to move him. The Knicks could actually use a guy like that because Cam Reddish does everything. Cam Reddish can bring the ball up, he can pass, rebound, shoot. Cam Reddish is probably one of the best defenders in the league. Plus, uh, uh, you know, a uh, uh, former, it doesn't hurt that he played with RJ, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sure they're, they're like that. And then you, you whisper <laughs> eventually down the line, you start whispering his ions in too, right? To get the band back together. That'll be two out of the three. The sad thing about it is I'm sure Nike's got some incentives in that contract for moving. Yeah. <laughs> they so, always do. How you guys think about Malcolm Brogdon? I think it's Malcolm Brogdon. I'm just, I, I like him. I, I'm trying to, I don't understand why he fell out of favor. It seems like kind of strange with Indiana, like what happened. Like, I think that has to do with the coach, though, because that whole team seems disjointed. Uh, Miles Turner, he don't even want to play that no more. I don't I like know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I like Brogdon, but I don't like him. And what I mean by that is, he's efficient. I think he's a good player, but I don't personally know if I could watch or if I want to watch Brogdon <laughs> for 82 games as a Knicks fan. That style, I think, would just. Granted, he's effective with it, but I don't know if I could watch it. You know, I just don't. I don't care for his game, as effective as it is. I don't really care for his game. But I wouldn't be upset if we got him because he is a good player. I got a good deal. We were just talking about willingness to trade people. The Knicks do have the cap space. How much they give Mitch up? Give Mitch up and give him over there for Miles Turner. Miles Turner can hit threes. Miles Turner is definitely going to block shots, and he definitely brings something different than New Orleans. No, New Orleans Noel's not going to shoot at all. Miles Turner can do some things they both can't do, and he would automatically become the starter. So. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the things that's been floating around out there is, is uh, them potentially bringing in a guy like that. Another guy who's supposedly fallen out of favor, who who um, the Knicks supposedly love a lot, is uh, 
and we've seen him recently, Jaron Jackson, right? Senior, junior. Yeah. Right, I mean, he's been injured, right? And for whatever reason, he seems to be falling out of favor in Memphis. So there's rumors that that they uh, the Knicks have a lot of interest there in him. I don't, I don't think he'll be a good fit. I mean, realistically, they'd have to make a decision because I think the Knicks, the Knicks, this is a pivotal point for the Knicks right now. What I mean by that is that if you look at it, and I'm gonna compare them to Nets in this way, the only reason the Nets actually are able to function is because Kyrie and Harden and and Durant are friends. When you get a guy like Randall coming, Randall's playing his style of play. Jaron Jackson is still trying to come up, so he's going to want that ball. When you bring these guys in that that they hungry and they want to be the star too or something, that's not going to work out too well because I don't think Jaron Jackson, one of the reasons they don't like him is because he didn't. He wanted to come back in and he wanted to assume where he was. He didn't want to come in and work his way back in. He came back in and said he was Jaron Jackson and that he should be the number one option and they thought different. So he's gonna to come to the Knicks. He's gonna assess. He's gonna assess the roster, and automatically he's gonna be like, "Yep, I guess I'm the number two option behind Randall." That's gonna you know be day one. <laughs> if he could go out there and, and produce on the court, I don't care what what option he you know, considers himself or supposedly is. Um, to be honest with you, because the last thing I think the Knicks the Knicks are getting better, which is why we're in the fourth seed. But we're not in a position to have people come in and just be role players at this point. We still need additional pieces and guys who are borderline stars who could potentially be stars. It's not like, all right, we got Randall, he's our star. We could just get a bunch of role players around Randall. We still need star power. I'm, I'm telling you the guy that the Knicks should go after, and I don't think they'll go after. I don't know if they can get him now. The guy they should have went after was Miles Bridges. Yeah, uh, Charlotte's gonna have some decisions eventually. But they're gonna have to pay him because Terry Rozier, right? He had the same exact bill as Julius Randle, right? So yep. eventually they're gonna have to decide whether, right? Because you have Lamelo there at the point. Yeah, Terry Rozier is technically the point, but they kind of have him playing the off off guard, right? When Lamelo is not there, but he's yeah. technically a point guard. Then you have, like you mentioned earlier, Devontae Graham. You have all these guys, and all of them deserve opportunities. They're all good. So do you pay Terry Rozier? Do you re-up him? Because he's, he's been playing well. Do you pay him? Do you eventually pay Miles Bridges? LaMelo, if he continues to grow the way he's playing and doesn't get hurt, he's going to get paid. He's a max player. Yeah, LaMelo's a max player. I think so, the whole... Yeah, I think the only reason it's working out for them right now is because LaMelo's tall. Because LaMelo could play two guards. If not, they'd have a problem too. It would be the Colin Sexton, Darius Garland thing all over again. But because LaMelo's tall, he can go defend two guards. So Terry Rozier is allowed to play the off guard. But I can tell you this, if I was the team, LaMelo's definitely staying. So out of all those guys, that's the one guy. <laughs> yeah, he's staying. And then and, you have to pay bridges just based on that. Right? Yeah, that, they play well together. Yeah, but then you also have other guys who are very okay, similar, Washington, you know, yeah. right? And I would say uh, he's good, right? I see yeah, him play PJ Washington. Yep. I mean, it's a lot of teams with a lot of lot of interesting issues. Like, I get. I mean, I can see teams. I'll, I'll give you this. I'm pretty much sure that San Antonio was saying to um, trade for Mitch Robinson. You would just have to. You would. You could probably get a. 
you probably could get one of those guys too. They're not going to give you Murray, but you could probably get Walker, Vassell, or well, Rudy Gay. I think he's on the end of his deal or something. But you could probably get one of those on Keldon Johnson. I think they higher on Keldon Johnson than probably any of those guys. So I don't think yeah, they seem to like Keldon Johnson. Is it, did he go to Kentucky? Yeah, and that's the one the Knicks will want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Knicks will want him just because he went to Kentucky. Yeah. He's a nice uh, developing young player, but I could see them wanting him just because he went to Kentucky. But I, I kind of like Lonnie Walker, to be honest with you, too. The guy's yeah. athleticism is off the charts. I think he would probably fit in more on the Knicks because he's another guy that he's learned that he could be effective without having the ball in his hand all the time. So I, I like Lonnie Walker. I like him a lot. Yeah. He's not, I think he he realizes, I, well, San Antonio will do that to you. They'll humble you quick. Yeah. So I think any player they can get from the Spurs will help y'all. They're going to be a team player because they got no choice but to be. Agreed. Go back. No, I, I mean, I think I do think the Knicks is definitely going in the right direction, and I'm wishing, I'm I'm happy to see them, see them where they're at. I just think that they should. I don't want to see them lose stuff, start going too overboard, getting rid of too many guys, and doing all this stuff trying to chase like we can win next year. Nah, don't don't give up on everybody and throw the farm and trying to win next year. Because realistically, let's say even if you did that, right? People, everybody, think about it this way. I like the Nets, and everybody's all over the Nets, right? Oh, the Nets can't do this. You realize that the big three played 10 games together, right? 10. And they, well, they still won 47 games. What if they'd have played 72 games together? What would the, what the, what would the record have been like? So all these teams going out building, they play 72 games together next year, fully healthy, and after practicing and playing together, I guarantee you it'll be in the 50-plus win category. Right. Yeah, easily. Think about it. The Knicks won 40-something in a 72-game yeah. schedule. Won, what, 41, 42 games? Something, yeah. something. So you know the Nets, a healthy Nets team is going to win 50-plus games easily. So it's like one of those things where I think I'd, uh, I would tell you this. If I looked at the Nets and I looked at the teams that compete, I would think that the Knicks would be one of the tougher, tougher competitions just because they play defense. They play defense, and they they um they actually they play basically they don't get discouraged. They play hard the whole way all the way through. And like I certain that. teams you can go out there and you could beat the hell out of them, and they're quick. You watch the games. There's games dudes that are quick. I think that discourages a lot of teams when they play against the Knicks. Um, that they, for the most part. Are like you said, every possession they're playing hard usually. So I'm gonna give you guys an update right now. Right now, Portland's winning 50 to 52 to 31, and the Lakers are losing to New Orleans. So yeah, it's dangerous times for LA, but I could easily see <laughs> LA winning that play, and if they do end up in the play, so, you know, this is segue into a question we had: if the Lakers with AD. And LeBron James play their A game. Will they repeat? I, I, if I can, let me answer first. No. I'm gonna tell you right now. The key to this team, and people don't realize it, is getting rid of the White Howard and Javale McGee and replacing them with Drummond and this guy is the reason they're gonna lose. Let me tell you why. I love Drummond to death, but Drummond Drummond is an up and down guy personally, where he needs to be involved in the offense. 
And if he's not involved, his energy doesn't match it. And all you can tell that he's not always engaged. Whereas the White Howard and JaVel McGee went out there and bullied people in the playoffs last year. They literally bullied half these guys, had dudes intimidated. It would the White Howard did the nerve what the White Howard did to dude on Denver last year, he had him all he didn't even know what to do. He was he had never faced somebody being that physical with him before. And Drummond is not gonna do that. They, they don't have the defensive anchors to do it. Anthony Davis doesn't want to mix it up. That's not his thing. He wants to shoot threes. And the supporting cast, they just not the same. Like, I mean, I like guys like Horton Tucker, and those guys are good and cool. But what's going to happen when listen, when they, they got to go against somebody? Right now, is right now they, they can't even beat. They're having a hard time with guys that were some the no-name guys. I don't think those names strike any fear in anybody. So you got Carmelo Anthony out there against the Lakers playing against Taylor Horton Tucker and Kyle Kuzma. He's looking at it like, yeah, this is not even right. So they they don't like I, I don't get me wrong, you're alive and this sounds crazy. They're still better than the Clippers. <laughs> if those two play A game with the Clippers, they still beat the Clippers. And I wouldn't I would say that they might even make the championship. But I don't I don't know. I just don't think they could beat like it's only I couldn't see them beating Philly or the Nets. Just those two. I, I couldn't see it. It would have to come down to Joel Embiid would have to not be himself. If Joel Embiid plays himself, and I'm a Net fan, I will tell you this right now: Philly is the best team in the East. If Joel Embiid plays how Joel Embiid plays, it's going to be tough for any team for them to beat. beat them. So it, it's it's just going to be real tough. The Nets gonna have to be fully healthy and fully engaged to beat the Sixers, but I couldn't see the Lakers matching up well with either one of those teams. LeBron, LeBron will be a wash with KD. Kyrie is gonna kill this guy, and they got no answer for Harden. KD was him, yeah, he's gonna be out there, but again, he don't like to mix it up. And Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and those dudes—that's what their game is predicated on. Now they're not really skilled, but highly skilled. Even though Griffin looks a little better, they're physical guys. So it is just yeah. tough. I think I think they lost a lot on the defensive end. I think they could score the points, and I think they it, but I don't know if it has been defensive. Yeah, I don't think I have too much to to, to add to what you said. They lost. Uh, enforcers. I think Montrez Harrell is a bit of a enforcer, but he's kind of undersized and he seems like he fell out of favor over there already. Um, then you have, like you said, you have um, Gasol. I don't know what's going on with him. He's not an enforcer, but he's, he's still a serviceable big man, I would say, but he's not, you know, a different, difference maker at this point. So yeah, I don't really have too much to add on to what you said. I don't see the Lakers. I don't even see them necessarily coming out of the West this year. A lot of it too is is the health of, of AD and LeBron. Those guys have battled injuries all season long. Granted, a lot of other teams are banged up too. You have Donovan Mitchell, right? Utah going into the playoffs with Donovan Mitchell um, being out for a while with that ankle injury. So there, there's a lot of teams, most teams are playing hurt, have players hurt. But I think uh, I think the Lakers, they LeBron and AD, they missed a ton of games. I think they're probably still hurt. They're just playing, right? Because it's playoff time. It's time to go, so to speak. I just don't think they have enough, in my opinion, this season to pull it off. 
Um, I could see them maybe making a deep playoff run, like you said. Western Conference Finals wouldn't surprise me. I don't see them making the finals, though, let alone winning the, the championship. I'm going to give you guys an update. The, uh, they went on a LeBron spurt, so now they're up 10. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, LeBron checked in and went on a LeBron spurt, so now they're up 10 over New Orleans. The key, the key to Lakers, Nick, is um, Drummond, really, because Drummond is 15, 20 rebounds every night, no matter who no matter who you played against, no matter yep. what, 15, 20 rebounds. But he, he, he could be guarding uh, Luau Sender right now. He don't get, uh, you know, probably get 15 rebounds. He don't get his ball, yeah. That, that, that's what he does, you know. But um, that being said, I think the role players, particularly Wes Matthews, he's a wild hand but he's having an awful year. Yeah. You play with Danny Green, who's playing, who having a very good year. That's true. That's true. He's the real key to Lakers' success more than anybody else on on our roster. Monte Harold, you know what I'm saying? Compel time, he'd be ready to play. Well, he starts, he'd be ready to play. He, you know, I, I, I believe in him to be in the game if it's being tactful or play his game. I like Drummond. Drummond's a rebounder. I think he could easily his shots having AD and Braun on the court with him at the same time. So the key to me is is Wes playing playing up the bit to shoot the ball with Kuzma. Those two guys is balling. Now they got a shot to repeat. But if you guys not balling well or you know having off games, they gonna make it. Plus one thing I noticed was um Dennis Schroeder played better when LeBron was out, right? When he was actually the guy with the ball in his hands. Now LeBron is back playing that point forward role. Schroeder, you know, he's kind of taking a back seat, so to speak, as he should. But his game, what else can he do well besides break the defense down? He's not like a, a a serious deep ball threat. He can knock down an occasional three, but he's not a spot up shooter. They would have been better off with a guy at this point in the season, a, a JJ Redick or something like that, right? That's what Wes Matthews, like you mentioned, Theo, that's supposed to be Wes Matthews' role, but the guy just can't hit a three this season. He's been, right. pretty, he's been pretty bad. Right. <laughs> you know what's going to happen? Whoever the Knicks let go, he'll be on the Lakers next year, whether it's Bullock or Burks. <laughs> that's <laughs> what LeBron will be looking to pick up one of those dudes. I mean, you have you look at teams, you, you, almost, you have to have those guys. The way the game's played now, you gotta have those guys. The guys that to hit the threes, whatever. You don't have them, and, and the, the Barrett coming back the way he has has dramatically helped the team knocking down those threes. Randall, he was on the Lakers, Bullock, right? Yeah, and they let him walk for nothing. You know. <laughs> and granted, don't get me wrong, some of the guys that they brought in as like sort of replacements for him are decent players. Like uh, THT, right? Torton, yeah. uh, and Tucker. He's a, he's a good player, but he needs the ball in his hands. He's more of a, a playmaker type of guy. He needs to like basket, yeah. Um, and when you got LeBron pounding the ball, right? Granted, LeBron is no, he's not necessarily a selfish player, but LeBron needs shooters around him. Now, so, yeah, which is why the, the Drummond dynamic is interesting, because now you have Drummond clogging up some of those those driving lanes for LeBron because LeBron is not necessarily a shooter himself. Yeah. If you move Drummond away from the basket, you might as well sit him down because he's useless then. He can't do anything outside of the paint. Yeah. 
So that, that's what makes it interesting, you know, with some of these guys. THT trying to get in there and slash with drumming clogging it up. What do you do? Which is why they love playing AD at the center, right? Because AD can bring the big, the defender, away from the basket to open up those driving lanes. But AD, as we mentioned a million times already, doesn't like mixing it up. So no. AD always likes to be out there with an enforcer next to him. And it's kind of hard um, in today's NBA to have a big the size of AD not wanting to be a big. You know, that's... It's kind of hard. You, you can't have two guys. You can't have two big guys on the court that don't want to be big. <laughs> <laughs> like Drummond, like Drummond, I love. Like you said, like I agree with Theo. He's gonna get his boards and stuff like that. But if you watch Drummond's body language, he, if he don't get that ball, if he go down that trip the court five times, he don't touch that ball. He can be sulking. He ain't gonna be running his thighs and nothing like that. And when you know, when you get on this game. You get these LeBron runs and these AD runs where they just, like, LeBron is bugging out right now. I mean, they win, but he's shooting threes from three feet behind the line. I'm like, listen, man, that's, that's I mean, it's nice you could do that because you're LeBron, but that's not who you are. Because you, you think about it, right, with Drummond. Drummond is used to getting the ball in the post, back yeah. and tie down for 10 seconds because they still would let them get away with it. <laughs> and then he'll go up, he'll get fouled, or he'll put you put you through the hoop. That's, mm-hmm. that's just what he is, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But now, LA's offense is pretty much LeBron pick and roll with AD, right? Or pick yeah. and pop, we should say, because AD ain't trying to roll to that basketball <laughs> mark. The no. KD, he'll go in there and slam it, but he's not really trying to roll to the basket. He prefers the pop. Yeah. Outside of that, as that's happening, what are you doing? Like, what is Drummond doing besides standing, standing in the way? He is standing next to the paint in the way. That's when the frustration with Drummond happens, right? When they run those five pick and pops with LeBron and AD on the sixth one, Drummond ain't getting back. No. <laughs> that rebound, you know? Kuzma. Kuzma wants to touch that ball occasionally. You know, those guys still want to prove that they they can uh, be quote-unquote star type of players in the league. All right, so I'm, I'm going to ask you guys a question. And and, and I'm going to tell you right now, I like LeBron. Listen, I think LeBron is great. I think the stuff he does off the court is great. But I'm going to ask you a question, and I always get debates on this. Can you tell me one player that LeBron has ever made better? One. Tell me one player whose statistics got better playing with LeBron on any team he's played with. One. He's made role players um, (laughs) better. I don't think, like, stars are always pretty much stars with him for the most part. Like, I wouldn't say he necessarily made Kyrie better, but in a way he did to some degree in in a sense that not so much from a basketball standpoint in terms of, hey, I, I, I got to create for him and stuff like that. But I think he's he made Kyrie better in the sense that Kyrie didn't have to be that leader, right? Okay, I'll give you that, the leadership. I'll give you the leadership. Because before LeBron got there, Kyrie was trying to be that leader when he first came in. And he, he just didn't seem like he was able to do it. Once LeBron came back, right, wrote that letter, I'm coming back. 
I think Kyrie got a lot better because he didn't have to be that leader. Then Kyrie goes to Boston, right? He proved again over there that he wasn't necessarily that leader type. So from that perspective, I would say he helped like a guy like Kyrie, but not so much on the court, but a guy, a, a guy I would say he helped on the court is look at a perfect example of it would be somebody like a Tristan Thompson, right? This guy basically got a fat contract based on LeBron, right? Now look at him. Look at him in Boston. He was never that good. He was never that good. Yeah. Anderson Varejao, right? Where's those guys at? Once, once, yeah, once LeBron went to Miami, Varejao was out of the league. Guys, I would say he made better. I, I will tell you this, looking at LeBron with that, right? And everything else, right? I'm going to put something out there. If LeBron was to sacrifice his own stuff, any of his own thing, and make any of those guys that stars allow them to be stars, he probably would have a much higher winning percentage in championships than what he does. If he, if he, if he, if at times he was sitting decided that instead of being the focal point, that he was saying that he was going, he was going to sacrifice. I'll give you a perfect, I'll give you a couple of big time players. David Robinson took a backseat to Duncan. If David Robinson went out there and decided that he was going to be the man. Spurs wouldn't have won all. I think LeBron did that for, I would say he did that for Kyrie when he came back. Because the shot, remember the big shot that Kyrie hit over Steph to win that championship. If LeBron wasn't taking that back seat, that would have been LeBron trying to force that shot, knowing that was the outside perimeter shooter of a Kyrie or something like that. So he, Kyrie had his, his moment. No, I, I agree. I just think, I think that. Oh, no, that's not it. Even I, to AD, uh, last year, you don't think LeBron kind of let AD be AD and then figure his game out around it? I, I think, think you know what's funny? I think he did, and in that case, I think he did. He shouldn't have. I think in the bubble, that worked for them. I think right now, that's not working for them. Because um, they don't need that right now. Yeah, if you're going to default to a guy, he's got to be a dominant guy. You can't default to some seven-foot jump shot shooter. And that's the problem. If you, if I'm a default to you, if I'm LeBron and I know that I can get mine at any time, and I'm a default to you, you need to be trying to get yours at every time. I don't want to see you out there catching the ball, jab stepping six times, trying to figure out whether you're going to shoot the fadeaway, the fadeaway twenties for that seven foot one. So I, I mean. I think with, with AD, I think AD is in that period in terms of his game where his game is transitioning more to that because he's he's injury prone. So he's trying to figure it out. Like before these injuries started mounting up, he always somewhat had a little bit of injury history. But recently he's been out on the perimeter more than I ever seen AD. And I think it's just because he doesn't want to mix it up and get injured again. I think it's more of that than anything else. He's trying to like, change his game up a little bit a little bit but maybe he's gone too far with it i think you're right I, I i gotta agree with you i think it's somebody told him the way to pro prolong your career is to not do that then remember amari stoudemire thing is a perfect example on the next when amari stoudemire came to the Knicks, the first thing he said is that he didn't want to play center they went out and got carmelo anthony what they do they put him in center and what happened because remember, a lot of people still don't remember who holds the record for the most 30-point consecutive games on the Knicks. 
Amari Stockmire. And the crazy thing is, remember, Carmelo actually pulled that same thing, right? Where, remember, the Knicks wanted him to move to power forward as part of that, but Carmelo didn't because, you know, he didn't want to take that... that the defense, yeah. Yeah, that beating down low against some of those groups. Whereas Carmelo, at that point in his career, he probably would have um, been better off doing it because he started to lose mobility. Yeah, so he, he had small forwards on the perimeter, but he, he just couldn't accept. Hey, I need to move to power forward because he Carmelo was always strong. You're not gonna get down there and bully him down low. Yeah. So, you know, I've seen a couple of guys try to change their games. And some guys refuse to do it. Getting the door help Bobby Gibson and Mo Williams get a new deal too. I think all those type of guys, you know. I will tell you this, J.R. Smith. You know what? I might have I might have said phrased the question wrong because he helped a lot of people get money, but I didn't see any one of them get statistically better. They all got paid, but none of them got any better statistics. Right. They got money though. And, and, yeah, he got people paid. Like he, he, he's still getting people paid. I give him credit for that. So you well, gotta love him for that. But as far as them being better players, he took guys that were all around players and turned them to spot up shooters. Chris Bosh, Chris Bosh might have been the best power forward of all times if he went to went to Miami. His numbers on on Toronto were insane. This dude was averaging 26, 12, and four. He went to yeah. Miami. He turned into a 20-foot jump shot shooter who got 17 and 8. Well, look at the uh, same thing with um, Kevin Love, right? Yeah, Kevin Love, 26 and 26 and 14, and was in five assists. But the one thing, points, three the one point thing that stretch, though, that you could say is LeBron, how many finals, consecutive finals, did LeBron go to, right? But so you know what? That's like playing horseshoes. It ain't about how many you made, how many you win. <laughs> He's gone making it every season. I, I keep playing a lotto too. I keep playing a lotto, but it don't count unless I win. <laughs> so he he made the He not Bill Russell. Bill Russell won those championships. He went high. It was hard um, He straight won what, three, two? If you're an organization now, think about it. If you're an organization, which is why the Lakers brought him in, right? Yeah, from one of the worst teams to immediately a championship. LeBron is gonna get you, assuming he's healthy. LeBron is gonna. There's no question whether he's gonna make the playoffs. Right? No, no, LeBron is great. LeBron is great for organizations. I'm not discounting that at all. So LeBron now, is great for your organization. But at the same late. time, LeBron is scorched earth. I guarantee you this: when LeBron leaves the Lakers, we won't see the Lakers in the playoffs for the next five, six years after that. You want to bet? Yeah. That's the only thing. It's, it's, it's almost like you, you're selling, you got to mortgage your future when you bring him in. When you bring him in, he's going to probably, the coach is probably whoever they had in place yeah. is going to be All the, the young draft pick players are going for old dudes that he likes. But in return, he's going to get you to the conference finals or the finals and put you in position to win. And that's yeah, he'll put you in position to win. Like let's say, let's say hypothetically speaking, LeBron, for whatever reason, says, "I want to be a New York Nick. I want to finish my career over there." This that. <laughs> In that scenario, I don't think they would necessarily move Tibbs, right? But RJ, all those guys will probably be flushed out, right? As part of the deal, yeah. right? But in return, I think assuming LeBron was healthy, I would say the Knicks 
we wouldn't even be sitting here wondering if they're gonna make the playoffs. You they might. No, you weren't worried about that. I guarantee you this. They more they'd, have have a, they'd have to have a long talk with John Randall because if I was him, I would consider not returning because he'll never be to be the John Randall he is now. LeBron now. But think they're pretty much gonna be, uh, I would say, con- in contention to make the finals and everything else. That's yeah, what he's gonna be in contention to average 18, six, and two. And he's gonna be out there standing in the corner waiting to catch the three because he ain't gonna be handling the ball no more. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. It's just as an organization. It puts you in a championship. Yeah, yeah you, are, you do become a championship defender. So from an organizational standpoint, it, it, it is helpful. It definitely helps. But at the same time, like, you got to be ready to win in the next three years with LeBron, wherever he goes, or two years. Because after that, listen, think about it. We've been, tr- as people in New York, we've been trying to tear the garden down for how long? As an up and coming for two years, you can, it'll be over. Yeah, as an up and coming player, you don't necessarily want to play with LeBron unless it's one of those, let me get my, try to get my ring early and then move on from him type of thing. But as you're up and coming, like you said, Julius Randle's 26 years old. You know, you may get a ring out of it, maybe not, but you don't necessarily want to play with a LeBron per se in that scenario. But if you're one of these veterans, like I think AD was starting to reach that point. I got to solidify my my career, right, with that ring. And that's why I think he was excited to go over there to L.A. And I can't blame him. Because LeBron immediately put you in contention to win. Yeah, you're definitely right there. So I bought on Julius Randle, and I'm going to just say it right off the top. If the Knicks don't offer him the max contract, and I was him, I would just walk. I wouldn't even use no negotiations. Listen, this is what they paying people. Look at my numbers. Look what they paying the people with the numbers. Now, he can't get that super max, but you can't. You, right now, he's making $20 million. You can't offer me... 20 and a half or 21 million to be on like he's gonna be on one of the top three he's gonna be on an all nba team but forget about all-star player he's gonna be on one of the three all nba teams so if they don't offer him like the max money or at least close to it or if he's not willing to negotiate just to try to help the team you gotta at least offer it to him there's no i think they're in a strange position in terms of his contract because like you can offer them, I think the most they can offer them in an in, in a extension is four years, a hundred and something, right? Yeah. Right now he's getting 20. He, he signed a three year, $60 million deal, but the third year of the deal, only 4 million, I believe, either four or 6 million was guaranteed, right? He's in the second year of the deal now, which is why this was fully guaranteed for the 20 million. So if he accepted the, I believe it's like a four year, 120, something like that, with incentives, it could be pushed up. I know it's over 100. So he would average out 25, 26 million, somewhere around there, between 25 and 27 million, which is, I think he deserves it. I would offer him the max. Financially for him, though, the, the better business decision would be for him to wait until next season when he can get, I believe, 200 and something million. The only thing is obviously he puts himself at risk, assuming, you know, the whole injury thing, right? He goes out here, he gets hurt, or his numbers slip, right? He goes back down to averaging 17 points somehow because they brought in more people, more help in free agency. Now he's not going to even get the 25 million or 27 million he can get this summer. Yeah. 
But at the same time, I don't know how much, like, because they own his rights, I would say either way I would offer it to him, but I would go out and sign whoever I'm gonna sign as a free agent first, right? That way, because I could always go above the cap if needed to extend him. I wouldn't be able to um, to get the yeah. I wouldn't be able to get the other guys though if I immediately pay Randall. So you pay those other guys, I would say, and then just offer Randall the max. That's what I would do. He, to me, he's deserving of it though. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Proven player in his prime, more prime years ago. Give him the max and move on. Yeah, and I, I love this four four. I got to stop butchering his name, Julius Randall. But he's he's four for 106 with incentive. So if I was as sad to say, looking at the economy in the world, I would take the deal. I wouldn't try to wait it out or anything. Looking at the way to Plus, I mean, this is his his coming out party, so to speak, right? Big season for him. There's no guarantee that he's gonna stay at this level. I don't think even if he did slip, because they brought in more players, let's say. I don't think he'll slip much. Um, it depends on who they bring in. If they bring in Alonzo Ball, his numbers will still be up because Alonzo's yeah. not out there trying to outscore him. No. You bring in a Zach Levine somehow or something like that, right? Then he may have some problems in terms of his numbers. They may win more games, whatever the case may be, but his numbers may dip. So yeah. not necessarily even get more out of waiting. Um, it depends on who they bring in in free agency because his numbers may slip. He's right now. He's playing the best. I think he will play in his career. I agree. I I gotta agree with you. I mean, I, I think I think listen. The only if, if there's any improvement, what I mean, what is what is his room improvement? Defense, maybe. And I think well, he's been I, solid there. Um, I think I think he's been, been solid there too. So I, I really can't even see what they could you know what they could they could do. I mean, Zach Levine is a possibility since he's only got, after this season, he's only got one year left on the deal. So that's usually the time where guys start, where they'll make an offer to him and he'll either sign it or they'll trade him. So he's in a prime position. But I wouldn't mess around with it. If I'm the Knicks, you know what? We've been looking for, I'm going to put it out there. We've been looking for a player at this level to be the face of the franchise. At least at this, at least to me, at least to this point, I loved Carmelo and Amari and all of them, but I don't think it was it was it was good. But did it seem sustainable that whole time? Like you know, like it didn't seem like it was winning behind it. It just seemed like it was statistics. The last person who put the Knicks in a position to win like this was Patrick Ewing. That was the last guy they had out there that was out there. Like his numbers actually contributed, or you could see the wins equate with his numbers. So I don't think they should mess around with that. Yeah, I think it wasn't sustainable before uh, because they mortgaged the future. Like when Carmelo, when they first got Carmelo, they brought in a bunch of veterans around them. But that wasn't a, a sustainable model for the future because Jason Kidd was already old. Yeah. Kenyon Martin, who was already older, right? We brought in a veteran from overseas and Pablo Prigioni, right? Who was good, but he was older. Amari, you know, was injury prone he wasn't too old but he was injury prone so plus they they didn't have many draft picks because Isaiah was too busy selling them right as, as part of Eddie Curry's deal and everything else uh, so I don't I think we mortgage the future this time we don't have that problem right 
So why not just give Randall the money, continue to build through free agency and or the draft both, because we have all our picks now. We have additional picks on top of our own and just keep it moving. Give them the money and keep it moving. Continue yeah. to build. Yeah. I mean, I think I think at 26, if you look around, listen, if you look around um, the, the league and in the East, realistically, if the Knicks build this correctly, remember, the Knicks at 26 are going up, but KD and those guys are 32. <laughs> you know, Kyrie, those guys are 31, 32 years old. So the Knicks was say the Knicks, you, even if even if it took two, three years, you know, these guys, I mean, I love them to death, but they're not going to be the same at 35. You know, so especially after sustaining major injuries. So the Knicks, you know, you could have Julius Randle at 28 competing for the championship, realistically, right? You just now's the time to put the pieces around, you know, make the stake in the ground. This our guy, and put other guys that around them. I wouldn't say solely built through the draft. I might bring somebody like Levine because he's on the same timeline. I think Levine is what 25, 26 too. They might have came in at the same time. Something like that, yeah. Plus, what I like about Levine too, uh, as we touch on him, is he played for Tibbs already, right, in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know that um, that they go back, and there's a lot of people that said, and I, and I I really agree with it, that when Minnesota made that deal for Jimmy Butler, was him that the the deal they made, they they traded the wrong guy. I heard that Tibbs wanted to keep Levine, he wanted to let Wiggins leave, but they was and they they was and they let Wiggins go, and was in kept. So there was something with that. They let they sent Levine off, but. Speaking of speaking of Tibbs, now that we're on that, who's the coach of the year? Because I mean, I only got two candidates. I, I got to go with Tibbs or Monty Williams. I mean, Phoenix. I mean, I don't think there's many teams that thought Phoenix was going to make the playoffs. So, you know, I like the way they closed last season in the bubble. Right? They won like eight games in the bubble. Whether they, you know, whether I thought they were going to carry that over to this season, probably not. I don't think many, many people did. Adding CP3, I thought they would get marginally better because that's what CP3 does, right? You bring yeah. him in, he improves your organization, but I didn't think they would go from not even in the playoffs to the number one seed or something yeah. crazy. Best record in the league or second best record in yeah. the league. So... Man, I would say as much as I love Tibbs, I would probably give it to Monty Williams just based on that. But at the same time, who did predict the Knicks, right, to be in the fourth seed? We were we were in the, the um, lottery to who was going to get the Cade Cunningham you know, yeah. sweepstakes to start the season. Jalen Suggs sweepstakes. Yeah, yeah. We were in the fourth seed, so job well done by Tibbs, too. Yeah. Um, Tibbs, Monty Williams, Doc Rivers, you know, surely been in, been in shambles. Yeah, Doc Rivers, yeah, that's a good one. They've been a big tease for a lot of years, you know, high expectations and falling short, kind of been there. But, uh, you know, they got a new chef and Doc Rivers, man. And so I guess his uh, his, his, his pot is gumbalaya gum is working right now, but it's got number one seed, how they're playing well. Been number one team in the East all year long. Give it to me a week or two, but they've been in the, in the first place all year long. So I've seen that we was getting it, but uh, for me, I'm gonna be biased and say I'm gonna say Tiz because he did more with less. Okay. And that's a lot right now. So uh, I'm gonna go with Tiz. But anyone of you guys are well deserved. So 
Who do we say is the most improved player of the year? Because that's that's a little tough. Like, what, what do you guys got for that one? I got Randall. Um, he wasn't too bad last year, um, but he's he just improved to me in every facet of his game. You know, from defense, three pointers, better teammate, leader, um, post up game. Um, I, I say Randall. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take one too. I mean, but Randall really deserves the, uh, the award. He really improved all aspects from his previous year. People complaining and, you know, bad shot selection, forcing shots and other things. So, from last year, this year, he made a, a, a drastic improvement all around this game. So, I would go with um, Randall. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with both of you guys. I'm going to even say something even crazier. I wouldn't be surprised. He's not going to win it, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him receive like an MVP vote too. I'm pretty much sure him and Chris Paul will probably each receive like an MVP vote. So I got I got to go with Randall. So looking at this too, we talked about all the different playoff teams. Do we think that the do we think the Clippers will reach at least the Western Conference Finals this year? I mean, I I'm I don't I personally don't think so. I mean, between having to beat the Lakers, Phoenix, possibly Utah, Denver. I, I don't know if they're gonna make the Western Conference Finals. I, I don't know. I mean, they put a lot of money and a lot of different things in it, but even them, I mean, outside of Paul George and um, Paul George and Kawhi, you got Serge, who seemed like he's been in and out of the the season or whatever. I've never been a huge Patrick Beverly fan. I mean, nice defender, real pestery. That combination of him and Reggie Jackson doesn't intimidate anybody. The two-guard situation, I mean, could you tell me who starts at the two-guard for the Clippers right now? I think it's Paul George, right? Paul George. So, think about it this way. You know Paul George and Kawhi Leonard start and whatever point does. Who's the the four and the five that start? Zubrick. Zubrick. I've been using Morris as the starting power forward, I think. So, realistically, I mean... I would say this, you're in live. The Clippers are the more improved version of the Portland Trailblazers. So the Clippers, their two guys just happen to be better than Dame and CJ. PJ and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard is better than Dame and CJ. But their supporting cast, both teams are basically the same or similar. None of those guys strike any fear in anybody. And as a matter of Portland might have a little better supporting cast. But the Clippers, I mean, I think that instead of mortgaging yourself on these old guys, like, personally, you know, just watching some of this game, right, right with the Lakers in New Orleans, I'd rather have Jackson Hayes than Serge Ibaka on that team. He would help them more. You know, you look at, you look at some of these younger guys that people are not really giving the, you know, giving the credit to. Everybody thinks they need these veteran guys to win. If you're a veteran and you've been on a team and you haven't won before, then you're not really helping by being a veteran. So yeah, I don't I don't really get it. You know why they don't why they don't intertwine or bring in some good fresh blood or something like the Clippers traded away those young guys for old guys. Didn't the Clippers trade away the guard they had from um the, the um, Jerome I think his name is Jerome Robinson or something. Then the Clippers are also the one aren't they the ones who gave the Nets um Landry Shamit? No, he went through Philly first, right? But they gave up Landry Shamit. Yeah, I want to say Shamit went from Philly um, to the Clippers, right? Yeah, and then the Clippers just basically 
but I don't, I, he, he wouldn't have helped them. So it's, it's just some stuff with the Clippers. I mean, didn't didn't the Clippers give up um what is super number the six man of the year? Give them to Atlanta. So and what did they get from Atlanta? Six last year's six man basically walking free agency, which was Montrez Harrell, right? Yeah. So they let Montrez Harrell go. Then they traded the other guys for Atlanta. I don't even know who they got from Atlanta in that deal. But um, Lou Williams. Yeah, Lou Williams to Atlanta. I don't know what they got in that deal. So. I don't know. I think the Clippers got some chemistry issues, and they they're trading away proven commodities and talent and stuff, and not even bringing in comparable people. So it's not necessarily anything that like they're gonna put it on Paul George. But at some point, I mean, going out getting 25 points and eight rebounds and four assists. I don't know what else he could do more than that. Plus, I mean, they already like last year they put it on Doc Rivers. I don't think it's yeah. really Doc Rivers' fault. That's I mean. What- Got can you know? The funniest thing is when you talk about guys coming up clutch. What do they mean by coming up clutch? You mean hitting big shots and big moments, or do you mean putting up numbers? Because those are two different things. Like you have guys that go out there that'll get 25 points and in the last three minutes don't score. Then that's a whole different thing. You you can't really teach that. You can't you can't teach somebody at the key moments not to curl up. That comes from inside of you. Yeah, I think the Clippers, they went into this weird, uh, like, win-now mode with with um, PG-13 and, and Kawhi. And I think those two kind of sort of have, similar, like you said, to Portland, where those two have overlapping skills. Um, would they have been better off maybe keeping Alexander, right? Not even trading for PG-13, right? Because Alexander, look at him now, once he went over to OKC, I would say, at least for the time being, he's probably the, the face of that franchise over there. He's yeah. a completely different guy. So would yeah. they be better continuing to stay the course and go that route? I don't know if Doc Rivers would have survived that that you know long route yeah. to a championship, but long term, they may have been better off because now they mortgage the future to make this parent of Kawhi and PG. And I don't think it's a, a championship parent with that supporting cast, like you said. I like Mars going over there. Um, they were forced to pay him pretty well. He got what four years, sixty-four million, I think. Yeah. They had no other options. He's a good player, but they had no other options because they their money was tied up. Zubak, I think, is pretty good. He's a serviceable big man. Reggie Jackson, I think his his best days. I, I don't think he's seen his best days since he was in OKC with Westbrook and them. So I, it's just a weird, the way their team is built is just strange to me. Um, I don't know. I don't see them making the finals. I don't even know if I have them in a Western Conference finals, to be honest with you. This, but like you said, I could easily see PG-13 because he's, he's the easiest guy to target being the, the fall guy again, no matter how he performs. Yeah. And we're not going to pin it on Kawhi, I think, just based on they like him, right, for yeah. the most part. So even if he underperforms somehow, they'll come up with something. He was hurt or something. Yeah, he was hurt or he, something. They'll give him some pass somewhere. But yeah. George, for whatever reason, he, he takes a lot of criti- uh, criticism in the media. Sometimes rightfully so, but a lot of times I would uh, say um, it's unfair towards him. Yeah, I thought I thought that part of the Paul George thing that kind of threw me off last year is when they said that um, 
players on the team were upset that he got to take days off of practice like Kawhi Leonard. I mean, at the end of the day, right, that's the coach's decision. Paul George can't decide that he don't want to show up for practice or something. That's the coach's decision to say that he put him on the same level as Kawhi or something. And plus, too, I mean, that's that's where it gets dicey, too. So you're okay with Kawhi just not coming to practice. But me, you're not okay with not coming to practice. So Because Kawhi won championships, so that means that gives him a free pass on practices and games and stuff. Yeah, that's, that's I mean... First of all, I mean the Clippers are the Clippers. They were, that's why that's why Kawhi's not on the Lakers. Because as much as the, the, he probably did want to go to the Lakers, they weren't gonna agree to this foolishness. His uncle's on a private jet with him. I practice when I practice. I need to have this amount of games off. I need to have this and that. But the Clippers agreed to it. So if they agreed to do all of that and you got one other player that occasionally, not even as much as Kawhi, he may want to miss a couple of practice and that's what he agreed to. You need to take that up with management. Plus, I mean, you gave up four or five picks for PG. Yeah. You better show him a little bit of favoritism, you know? Yeah. You gave up, you mortgage your future for him. So obviously you thought he was on that same level, whether he is or not, who knows? But you gave up so much for him, you put him on that pedestal. Yeah, and now you want a disgruntled superstar? You gonna get him out there and then tell him, now nah, you can't do the same as Kawhi? He done paid him 27 or some Supermax deal and have pissed off. They just signed him to another Supermax deal recently or something. With Kawhi's deal, I think he can opt out after this summer. Yeah, Kawhi, they don't know what's going to happen with him, but they made sure they locked up Paul George. He took the money. Yeah, he took the money, especially given, like, the injury history. Kawhi has that injury history, too, but I think uh, he never had the, like, quote-unquote major injury, right? Like Paul George with the the broken leg and uh Olympics. Yeah. So that's probably what PG was thinking of. Plus, I know he had some shoulder surgeries a couple of times and stuff like that. So he took the money. Plus, he's from there, right? Same thing with Kawhi, but he always claimed he wanted to play at home. So once he got the chance to, he, he took the money, which I can't blame him. But Kawhi, that's another thing with the Clippers. You mortgage your future to put these two together. And Kawhi, He's the type of guy who just may walk if it don't work out. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the case. And if you look at the like the numbers, I mean, the, the numbers are, are comparable. It's not like he's, Kawhi's averaging 20, 20, basically 25, six and a half and five. And listen, Paul George is averaging 23, six and five. So he averaged two less points. I guess that means you get to miss ten more practices or something. But that's that's the part of the Clippers' dysfunctionality. That's that's just how that goes. So this week we had some some um, Hall of Fame inductees, Kobe Bryant. I mean, in a real emotional one with with um, his wife and with um, Jordan. We had Tim Duncan and we had um, a few others. I mean, I was looking at. This. Yeah, KG. KG. We we had it was was interesting is that these guys were all great and then I was looking at the list. I mean, just to go into next year, the list of next year that for people that was that's not in there that supposedly possibly going in there. But I mean it was great to see those guys go in. I mean, 
KG and Duncan. That's like the matchup. That's been the, the matchup for all you know of all time. Watching those two guys go at it. Kobe was Kobe. We we know how that went. And it was a bit. I think it was just one of the you know one of the, the great classes to see go in or something. What did you guys think of the whole Hall of Fame inductees this year? Yeah, I thought it was great. Obviously, unfortunately, Kobe, right, is not here to, to actually, you know, be there in person. So that was kind of sad. But at the same time, obviously, again, well-deserving for Kobe. It was nice the way they, they um, had Vanessa, his wife, come up and speak in Jordan again. So that was nice. I thought it was a nice... Um, ceremony overall and next year's class like you mentioned looks great too i, I believe you have chris bosh um chris weber i believe is another one so it's shaping up right to be a a nice uh class again next year paul pierce got it too yeah paul pierce yeah yeah i have no it's a great class um guys guys with first got it on the famous you know on kg Duncan, you know, hope you guys are great, man. I mean, hope you guys have been in many wars against each other for many years, man. So uh, <clears throat> it's very emotional too, uh, someone as well too. And it still hurts to this day to see Kobe Bryant sit up with us, and I see him being his orange jacket and you know, give his speech out. Yeah, yeah. but it's very well deserved, man. That shit class seems seems pretty good. Not not bad. This is class though, but uh, still pretty good as well. Yeah. So I think listen, guys, that's a good way to listen to to listen to wrap it up. Listen, you guys have anything you want to want to want to talk about? Anything you want to say? Last final words? Let's go next. That's my words. Getting ready for the playoffs. I think they start on the twenty second. I want to say, um, which is in six days. So I'm excited to see what my Knicks do. Finally, the Knicks are back. Yeah. I, I want to second that emotion too. Uh, let's go New York Knicks. And uh, I will say, corner uh, dude of the week is whoever did the NFL schedule having Cowboys in a row. He's going to get the He could hear, she could kick rocks, man. <laughs> but that being said, man, you know, let's go Knicks, man. Hey, you know what? Um, being from New York again, let's go Knicks. One one last thing to say. I'm glad to see Chris Webber make the. Um, make the, the Hall of Fame coming up. And I was a little upset to see Chris Webber and TNT part ways. But that was and that's basically it, guys, man. Again, another great show. Appreciate talking to you guys. Everybody have a great week till we talk again. Yes, enjoy.